You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Welcome to the Collegian Week in Review. Here are your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. Welcome back to the Collegian Week in Review, where we give you an inside look into Michigan's oldest college newspaper. We're your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. And today we'll be talking to Michaela S. Truth about a recent presentation given about the Passages to Israel trip, as well as SAB's Bake Off event that she covered. Then we'll talk to Isabella Helms about why C.S. Lewis should be the next statue on the Liberty Walk. Then we'll talk to Jane Kitchen about campus's reaction to Trump's indictment. And then finally, we'll talk to Jillian Parks about Charger men's baseball. This is Maddie, and I'm here with Michaela Estruth, the assistant news editor of The Collegian. And this week, she wrote a couple of pieces for The Collegian. One was about an event that was given promoting the Passage to Israel trip and providing some uh, new information about that. So, Michaela, tell me a little bit more about that piece. Yeah, absolutely. So, this was on Thursday of last week, and it was put on by a student. He's a junior, Fernando Bravo. He attended Passages with Hillsdale this past December and January. He is an ambassador for Passages, which basically means that after the trip, he applied and was accepted to be uh, to promote the Passages program and be a representative for Passages on his campus here at Hillsdale. So he basically put this on saying applications are open, and then he had some students come and share their experiences, their favorite moments from the trip, and why students should apply, why it's worth it, and kind of the process of applying and then what you have to do before you go on the trip. But the most important thing that he shared is that the trip is decreasing by nearly $600. So this past December, he and his fellow students who went with him paid about $2,500 to go on the trip. And I think the total anticipated for next year is about 1980. And so that's significantly less, which is quite ironic given the fact that most things are going up these days, but Passages is making it able to go down for students so that more students can come. And then uh, Fernando also said that the point of contact for Hillsdale is Dr. Westblade. So students, he, Dr. Westblade is organizing that trip and he kind of communicates with the Passages program. So students who have deeper or students who have more specific questions involving applications, prices, tickets, all of that should contact Dr. Westblade. So what were the some of the takeaways from this talk in terms of why students should go on this trip? Yeah, so students shared their experiences and said that the Bible really came to life. And then they also talked about one of the main things that Fernando was saying was it's really important to be educated about these things because Israel isn't just something in ancient times. It's relevant today. And students mentioned kind of the study of that there in Israel, both like remembering biblical events, but also being surrounded by modern technology and basically modern conflicts with Israel and Palestine over there, and they got multiple perspectives. They even had the chance of traveling to Bethlehem, which is basically outside of the Israel area, and so it's Palestinian-owned, and um, it's very different. I, I actually had the opportunity to go on the trip myself in December. It wasn't with Hillsdale, but I was able to follow what they were saying because they were right. They, they got perspectives from people who feel on the other side like they've been afflicted and that like they're in the right and so it really helps frame your understanding of it as you're in the United States and often are very separated from the events ongoing over there. So you also wrote a piece this week for the culture section about 
the SAB Bake Off, which is an event that took place within this past week. So tell me a little bit more about that. What's the story there? So the SAB Bake Off took place in Mock Solarium, and they had British flags like decorating the solarium and all of this food when you walked in. The smells were amazing. I really wanted to eat it all. But the idea was from sophomore Joy Haynes. She is a creative team member. And she was basically playing off of a cooking event that SAB does in the fall called Chopped. But they she didn't want to, they didn't want to repeat that event. They wanted a new idea and they wanted it to bring be in the spring semester. So she came up with the idea based off of the Great British Baking Show, which I think runs in the spring because lots of people were talking about how this is a very springy event. It's on Netflix, so you, you can watch it anytime, but maybe it occurs in the spring, the competition. And so Joy was saying, like, that was her idea. They wanted to do, like, a bake-off competition, and that's what they did. They had two two contests, um, cheesecake and uh, cake pops, and it was quite funny to watch, and people did really well. It was really fun. Did you participate yourself or just observe? I did not participate. I walked around and interviewed some people and took lots of pictures and wished that I could eat it. But I, I didn't participate other than saying you're doing far better than I ever could. So, Well, thanks for sharing, Michaela. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Collegian Week in Review. This is Lauren, and I'm here with Isabella Holmes, a reporter for the Collegian. This week, she wrote a story in the opinion section about C.S. Lewis and how he should be the next statue on the Hillsdale Liberty Walk. You argued that C.S. Lewis remains the foremost Christian apologist of the 20th century. Tell me why you argued that and why someone like him should be on our Liberty Walk. Well, so my whole thought process for this was basically Hillsdale is a Christian non-secretarian school, meaning that we do have a faith, but we don't, you know, choose a specific denomination to affiliate with. And so I thought, like, we don't have any religious figures who are on the walk. Um, and I thought it would be really cool to pick somebody who has a pull among all the denominations and is also very devoutly Christian. Um, and I feel like there's not one person here who doesn't know who C.S. Lewis is. So <laughs> that was kind of my thought with that. Tell me what kind of influence and following Lewis kind of has, because I know you mentioned in your piece that both Catholics and Protestants like him and respect him. So just touch on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. When I was younger in high school, I feel like we, and even in middle school, we were reading C.S. Lewis from a very young age. And he was relatively easy to grasp, you know, with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and his more like fantastical stories. And then, you know, as you get older and you read more, you can grasp more of his harder things. But I've just always enjoyed his style of writing. Um, And I think even I have you know, family members who aren't Christians and they still enjoy his writing. Um, So I think that also speaks to the fact that he can even go beyond the denominational divide and also speak to people who may be more atheistic um, in their their beliefs. And so um, he also knows how to speak to people who who don't have any faith too, which is big. I know that Lewis did not always claim to be a Christian. At one point, he was a self-proclaimed atheist. So Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about his conversion story and why people find that inspiring. Mm -hmm. So I didn't include this in the piece, but there was, it it was a little vague in the research that I was doing, but apparently like he was good friends with Tolkien and a few other 
um, very strong Christian men. And so, you know, through conversations and debates, it kind of like, you know, nudged him a little bit and he was definitely, you know, persuaded to an extent. And then it wasn't until he was on a motorcycle and he just, it just said that he had like this moment of conversion and that's really, you know, as much as he says it, but he just kind of was like, I knew that there was no other, you know, no other God and this was it. And so I wish, you know, I probably could have done more research and found out more about that. But for the few articles I read, it was kind of vague. So he just had a, like a motorcycle conversion. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, but since then, you know, he's, he's made a name for himself as like the foremost Christian apologist. Um, and I think that's pretty fantastic. So <laughs> Lewis did not have the most magical childhood. I know that <laughs> there was a lot of suffering there. Mm-hmm. And you argued that that kind of contributed to many of his great works. So maybe tell me about what he went through as a child and how you think this influenced him later on and maybe brought about some good. Mm-hmm. So I a while back, I read his book called Surprised by Joy. And it was this was a while ago, but I know that he had a lot of tra- traumatic experiences in boarding schools. Um, and he definitely did not have the greatest relationship with his father. Um, and, you know, I think he had a strong relationship with his mother growing up and then she died um, kind of out of nowhere, I think, through some sort of sickness. And then his dad was just very cold and not somebody he could really approach. Um, and he had a relationship with his brother, but it wasn't, um, I don't remember, it wasn't super strong, but it was there. Um, and I think, you know, beside other things that he faced just socially, um, I think the fact that you have, you know, not super stable at-home relationships can be some of the most traumatic because, you know, if you face tough things in the world but you don't have a family to go home who, go home to who really cares for you in that way, it can just be, like, worse. So <laughs> I don't know what I'd do without my family to go home to and talk to. His book is really good. I'd suggest reading it. I definitely need to reread it. Tell me about Narnia because I know you said mm-hmm. that not much of this would matter if it weren't for Narnia. So tell me about the influence that the Narnia series had um, on the world and both Christians and non-Christians, both. I guess I'm pulling a little bit from Chesterton, too. Um, But I know that Chesterton speaks a lot about how fairy tales match the world the way it really is um, in the sense that, like, we know that, you know, the evil witch is somebody that we should, you know, be opposed to and try to defeat and that um, goodness is something that we want to win out in the end of the day. And so going back to Lewis, <laughs> I think he does a really wonderful job of having us root for the good guys, root for the bad guys, um, and then also tie that back to Christianity um, in a kind of magical way that speaks to children maybe before they even know that it is the story Um, of salvation and the gospel. And then, so back to another personal story. Um, I think my dad recently has been going through, like he'll come to me and he'll be like, hey, Bella, like what book should I read? And I was like, you should try to like reread C.S. Lewis again. Um, And so he went through and read all of the Chronicles of Narnia. um, And he just, he really loved them. It was kind of cute to see how excited he got um, over reading them all over again. And I don't think he had ever read them through completely. But um, my dad was formerly an atheist, and I know that C.S. Lewis had a lot to do with him coming to Christianity um, and just being exposed to the the types of arguments that he makes, you know, concretely through stories. Um, and so it kind of, you know, helps. It He brings very abstract 
concepts to a very understanding level through stories that are easy for us to grasp as human beings. So, um, and, and that you can speak to a wide range of audiences if you can get to them through a story. And I think he does that very effectively. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, <laughs> of Bella. Course. Thank you. The Collegian Week in Review continues. This is Lauren, and I'm here with Jane Kitchen, the assistant culture editor of The Collegian. This week, she wrote a story about campus reacting to former President Donald Trump's indictment, and she talked to many different professors. Uh, The first one I want to talk about is Associate Professor of Economics Charles Steele. Tell me what he had to say, because I know what he said was a little controversial, but I want to dive into that. Yeah, he definitely had strong feelings, not a fan of the indictment. He he basically said that um, Trump was being treated very differently than other politicians and government officials like Hillary Clinton and James Comey, um, who had also uh, done things wrong and broken rules in their tenure, um, but had not had charges brought against them. And um, he just thought that the indictment showed that there's double standards based on who is in favor with um, people in the administrative state, basically. Professor of Politics Thomas West said that the indictment undermines traditional American values. What else did he have to say about it? Uh, he was also outraged by the indictment, um, and he said that the New York City prosecutor who um, is bringing the charges against Trump is part of a radical leftist network that's sort of trying to destroy older version of America and its representatives. What did some professors have to say about the abuse of the legal system in relation to political candidates. Professor of Philosophy and Religion, Nathan Schleter, um, made a comparison to the path of the Roman Empire and contemporary Latin America in terms of weaponizing the legal system and where that leads. Did these professors that you talked to seem to have the understanding that a lot of people supported this indictment just because of their personal feelings about Trump? Yeah, Professor Steele in particular said he was just very disappointed and sort of couldn't understand that people were willing to let something like this slide just because they didn't like the guy. Did you talk to any students about the indictment, even if their comments weren't included in the article? I talked to some, a few students, political science students, and they just didn't seem quite as aware of the situation or as invested as the professors. All right, Jane, well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Lauren. Radio Free Hillsdale's The Collegian Week in Review continues. This is Maddie, and I'm here with Jillian, the social media manager of the Collegian. And this week, she wrote some coverage of what the Hillsdale men's baseball team has been up to. So, Jillian, tell me about that. The baseball team has been in their, like, 50-50 era, like 50% slay, 50% flop. Because 
they'll like split a series or they'll have a weekend where they lose every single game and the next weekend they'll like absolutely crush it um this is the weekend luckily that where they absolutely crushed it um they played against tiffin university they They did they slayed um and they played against tiffin university and boy oh boy did they bring home the bacon and by that i mean they won every single game um to be fair tiffin is from what I can tell uh, in the standings and stuff, an easier team, um, they still did a really good job and deserve to be celebrated. Also, um, the one of their players, Danny Passanolt, I think is how you say it, was named the GMAC Player of the Week because of his performance. So all good things for baseball this weekend. That's what I was going to ask next is were there any particularly impressive individual performances? There were a lot, actually. Um, I mean, there's a senior, his name is Lewis Beals, and he always always delivers um he had a bunch of not a bunch he hit a good amount of home runs um which is pretty pretty great for him also joe hardenberg did a really great job he's a junior um according to the website although sometimes the grades get mixed up because uh eligibility for sports is a little bit different for athletes than like just years which is just i don't know i just thought that was important to note uh but yeah danny passanol was named player of the week so there were a lot of really great performances this weekend how are they doing overall in the season at this point not that good they are fourth of six northern teams currently um their conference record is actually a set seven to five so maybe i shouldn't say not that good they're actually doing they're winning more than they're losing um and they have a seven five ratio there so i mean it's it's all kind of up in the air with these games that come in and totally throw off the balance i know last Last week's record was significantly like worse than that. So it, it all changes pretty quickly. What's next? Um, they are going to go play Northwood, which is the best <laughs> team in the league. So we will see how that goes. They're also playing Central Michigan University, um, a single game against them. But the Northwood University is going to be a four-game series. Um, and we're going to – I'm very interested to see how they, how they do with that one. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jillian. You have been listening to the Collegium Week in Review on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We're your hosts, Lauren Scott and Maddie Welsh. You can find the Collegian online at hillsdalecollegian.com or on Instagram and Twitter at hdalecollegian. You can also find previous episodes of the Collegium Week in Review online at cwir.transistor.fm. Once again, you have been listening to the Collegium Week in Review on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. See you next week. And now a jingle from regular contributor Jillian Parks. Kalina.